0: Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks
1: and this is Lady Sativa.
0: You're listening to The Dirt Show
1: where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. peaks and this is lady sativa
0: welcome to the dirt show uh, our special guest today is jd short from second generation genetics i'm excited for this one we pulled this one out of the 420 vault It's apparently the only things we've <laughs> <could laughs> been running but here's the deal uh, this one's an important one too uh, we got to sit down with him and uh talk to him about you know where he came from uh, what influence uh, it had on his genetics and his life, and kind of where he uh, started and where he's at and where he's headed, mm-hmm. and that gives us a strong foundation because then we go back in a second interview and I sit with him in a park uh, in Cottage Grove,
1: and that is not from the 420 vault, by the way. No,
0: this is all fresh. <gasps> We're getting fresh.
1: to fresh. Oh shit. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so
1: dropping bombs. <laughs>
0: great park interview but we also had greenworks 420 who used to be full spec genetics and which is important to know because uh in our interview with him originally uh he was full spec now he has switched to greenworks 420 or greenworks seeds and
1: um oh my god I'm such a stoner I didn't even know that
0: <laughs> Well now you know where to go because Now
1: I know. Well I liked both seeds too so it makes total sense.
0: Well, you know, last year we ran, or the year before, excuse me, we ran as Crush Rush and Silver Heaven came out dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Crush Rush was healthy, vigorous.
1: See, I know the fucking strains too.
0: Fat, I know. <laughs> and then the Silver Heaven, our picture got put in DC Seed Exchange. So if you look up Silver Heaven under Greenworks, Hell you'll yeah. see our, that's our grow. That's our grow. Anyway. Uh, but we're also running J.D. Shorts, which is uh, really important because um, they both work together as well. And J.D. has some serious, serious genetics. We met him and Greenworks at uh, a fair here in the Rogue Valley and uh, have since then been working with him for our genetics. Mm-hmm. And this year we so luckily get to work with um, J.D.'s lines I've been watching so closely because they're so beautiful. Um, I'm going to have you tell them the genetics are running on his line. But, uh, you know, these pinks and these purples and and his crosses, you know, uh, he is the son of DJ Short, which for generations, or not generations, but I should say decades, uh, was not only influential, but was kind of the pioneers of breeding. mm mm-hmm. uh, that brought all these real base good lines that people, geneticists, geneticists, yes, absolutely. Thing. And so now JD has taken it to the next level. Uh, he uses the blueberry. What is it? The F four? Yeah, straight from DJ. That uh, is a strong, strong one of my one of my all time favorite. But crosses it with some other crazy strains, good solid strains, and gets some just some fire. And so again, real lucky to sit down with him. And talk to him real lucky to have the genetics we'll keep you posted on that uh you'll be able to see that on the oregon five for dot com so jd uh, at the park that's he we talk about actual a little bit of seed science and mm-hmm. also just just have a good talk about things about the industry and, and such um but not
1: on this episode though. no
0: this is the one that gets you know you you're get, gonna spoil get to it no, no spoilers. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we get to know him and it's a good, uh, good interview. So go ahead and tell them what seeds we're running.
1: All right. So we've got the second generation genetic strains here for you. We've got the clown Royal, which is gorilla glue number four. And we're just going to call it DJB. So it's DJ shorts, blueberry F4. Yeah. We'll just call it DJ B F4. Okay. It's DJ's F4.
0: Yeah. These are all, these are all F1 hybrids though.
1: Yes, they're all F1 hybrids, but this is just the strain cross that's in there. So I'm just going to abbreviate all of them because it is in every one of them. That is one of his key things that he does use. So then we've also got the Plumberry Kush, which is Purple Unicorn and DJB. Okay, um,
0: before you go on to see, you know, that Gorilla Glue number 4, that's one of my favorites.
1: I love Gorilla Glue.
0: Um, so much. That's
1: one of the fuels that I really enjoy.
0: Me too. There's so much fad stuff going on in the industry that Gorilla Glue was there at one point. In fact, it caused those strains were what caused all the issues with the naming. But it's one of my personal favorites, mm-hmm. and it's I not really a fad to me. I like it so that I'm that is a sick cross right there. I like that. And then you said the purple <clears throat> unicorn.
1: Yeah, the purple unicorn for the plumberry Kush right. and the DJB. We've also got which is a star the stardom here. This is a our. What is this? The
0: organ cutthroat.
1: Yeah, this is the legendary right now. Yeah, well, worried. it's
0: just you should see this. Go to his Instagram at Second Generation Genetics and
2: Look check up the out. Organ cutthroat. Yeah, f-
0: go through the uh, pages. It's a few down and find uh, the brightest pink flower you can find and mm-hmm. click on that image, and that'll be the organ cutthroat,
1: which is Black Rose number three. Right. Cross with DJB.
0: Right, and here's the deal. Just <clears throat> I have to say, man, this thing. Is one of the most beautiful plants I've seen. Now, this is all personal opinion. So, <laughs> but he really brings the pinks out in this one. And just awesome job on that, JD. Uh, thing is gorgeous. And I cannot wait to document I that this year. I can't wait to see it. For an out, outdoor grow. I don't know. He's probably had people grow I've his seen,
1: stuff. I've seen some pretty ones that I have seen pictures of. Yeah. Um, I have peeked into that one time we walked <laughs> walked through that guy's backyard of that pinkleberry that was the pinkest yeah. shit that i had ever seen mm-hmm. guess what never seen it in flower right i've seen it in a pre-roll actually yeah. we had a pre-roll coming but i still have never seen it in flower but i have seen it on the plant and man it is it was fucking beautiful cuz it was it was a bright almost fluorescent pink um oh, yeah and that and I would that was love popular
0: I, that year yeah. and a lot of the people <laughs> in our block was growing it a uh, lot
1: of people on our block was but i still have never seen the in person
0: but see here's that difference to the pink so that was pink pistols mm-hmm. which is gorgeous but they always generally turn orange i mean you don't yeah. see any pink pistols but now this is actual pink calyxes, pink like bud structure
2: oh and beautiful.
0: so i can't like i said i can't wait to document wait. it for you and and just oh man the plants are dark purple so much that they're, look black almost. Yeah. And so that might sound basic to somebody, but now this is, this is cool.
1: It's, it's really cool. All right. And then we've got the Roseberry, which is a high CBD. It's a two to one, which is ACDC crossed with the DJB.
0: So this one might be our, we'll just put this into tincture form. Yep.
1: Well, I think uh, we have decided that we are going to just keep the best buds of everything. And then we are going to make everything into tinctures or edibles. Because we would like to have all effects of all of it, so we would like to just keep like our a buds for smoking, for flour.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and the rest for, is going to be yep,
1: and the rest of it is all going to be turned into edibles and tinctures or topicals. We're gonna we're gonna try and do everything with it. We're just gonna be what is what is that called? Just Molly to all. <laughs>
0: well, it's the benefits of growing your own, which we have always promoted. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we started. Is. We interview these big farms, but really what we're geared towards is trying to um, talk to and relate to the people that are home growing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that could be anything from a, a four by four to, or I should even say a three by three to, you know, room size 10 by 12, say, or outdoors, like mm-hmm. 10 by 20s that we run, whatever. Those mm-hmm. are all kind of small, self grows, home grows. You're really not going to find anything that's affordable manufacturing doing right. that. So. You know, one thing that we have over being in the industry, though, is that we can make our own medicine. We can do all this stuff with it, Mm -hmm. with a few amount of plants. You can really, if you do it right, you can get, you know, a pound per plant or better and get enough for what we just said.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's
0: not hard to do It takes time But it's not hard to do these things There's It's just
1: tedious is all it is can You just be. gotta take time Out of your day And your house may be A little stinky When you're decarboxylating stuff But you know what <laughs> <laughs> that, that can happen It's just a pretty strong Cannabis smell Roasting through your house For about I don't know About an hour and Then you gotta light an incense And open the door <laughs> Everything's fine um, It does not get you high it's I a promise nerve.
0: It's a nerve man. Uh, yeah
1: And you just All you do after that Is you just finish your process it's well that's when everything begins. is when you decarboxylate it and if you have to make the butter you got to do the process of that of course too but yeah it's about a day long process for everything yeah yeah you might be able to have a cookie before bed (laughs) but
0: you get the advantage of that so you can make all that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. then you can make uh, you know concentrates if you want and then you can also do uh, you know keep your stash of flour and when you're making all these things uh, it's nice as a smaller grow that you have an opportunity to try all these strains uh, for yourself and have this kind of variety. Like we have the advantage of picking nutrients
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, you know, uh, fooling around with that, fooling around with different, back, you know, beneficials and soils mm-hmm. and, you know, commercial, you can't do any of that. I mean, you can try things out on a, you know, on a, a little bit. But I mean you can't just switch soils every year.
1: Nope, you have to stick with basically if like, you know what works, you stick with it. If you have nutrients that work, you stick with it. <laughs> yeah, know, they, and you they, can they still don't wanna incorporate. mess around because they know what works and they wanna make their the best that they can and
0: Yeah, and if and on a small scale, if you wanna incorporate, you know, a living soil or or do a, a no till, you can do that. So it just it's, it gives you all those options. I guess is what I'm saying f- to fit whatever you want. And then, like I said, the Rosaberry, because of all the strain options, Rosaberry, high CBD, ACDC, DJ Blue. Uh, we'll turn that in like into tinctures and stuff like that. So,
1: and then our very last one, very last one, Farmer's Fire. Uh, this sounds pretty fire to me. It's <laughs> it's cherry pie and DJB. Right. Yeah, that sounds, I like cherry pie. Well,
0: cherry pie has been popular.
1: My favorite is, and you know, right now it's Tropicana too. cookies mm-hmm. and that is, uh, your, your favorite tangy mm-hmm. and cherry pie. Oh mm-hmm. my God, I am so wrong. That is GSD. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite strain is forbidden fruit. There we go. With cherry pie and tangy. tangy. And then there's the Tropicana that is the tangy and the GSD. So, that's another one. But I think it's just Tangy that I like so much.
0: Right. Well, we see it a lot now. Yep. But well, but you always see a cross of, say, uh, uh, cookies and this. Cookies mm-hmm. and that. And then you see Tangy this and something Tangy. And Things
1: that used to be really, really popular just by themselves are now getting crossed. Such Yeah, as which the- I
0: do understand. But it's just so overwhelming when it's only those two. And that's just all you're getting. So, it's like you're not really buying... Mm-hmm a real true variety of cannabis you're you're buying a version of the same strain the same cookies but just a different version of it mixed Mm -hmm. with something else so i really like that you know both second gen and greenworks they bring out these crosses that jd mixes it with an uh, old school strong strain that is Mm -hmm. proven but but you know what he's got here is is i've only
1: tried sugar black rose i can't wait to try this organ cutthroat
0: Yeah. Well, and they're all purple and all pinks, so these are going to be real beautiful We're going to have some
1: beautiful stuff out there with our garden out there, too.
0: I'm starting to wonder if I don't appreciate the growing and how they look when they're alive and on the plant better than... Smoking it. anytime after.
1: It's so fun. It's so and I love being in the plant. I love being with the plant. I like going and doing my favorite thing that you have to hide. He's got to go hide in the house, by the way, like play video games, put on headphones so he can't hear me because he thinks the plants are screaming mm-hmm. when they I popcorn do. it. No, they don't. They enjoy it because then they grow.
0: Popcorn it. No, you lollipop it.
1: I lollipop it. There we go. Um, <laughs> but it's... You know, and then we also have our garden out there. So we've got all of our actual plants going, which we should put onto our organ rooted as well, because that is still our garden.
0: I, I, I should, um, you should.
1: You should She show him what I did to that plant out in the front that you feel like I butchered. Which one? The, the one that needed a head, uh, uh, haircut. It's like our palm.
0: Oh, right.
1: Yeah, you should show them.
0: You did the same thing to that that you do to our yeah, cannabis plants. Yeah, but you plants. should see
1: how much it's flourishing. Did you see it?
0: Sometimes I feel like when you cut into our plants, there's like two buds left.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just
0: joking, though. The it's just, things that
1: matter are left.
0: I just, I don't, you know, and, you know, Jay does it. he you go into his rooms and see when he's trimmed them back and was like, whoa. He says I do
1: what? A little bit. He says he does about uh, 45%. And when he looked at mine, he says I do about... Uh, and that's 45% left by the way. Yeah. He says I do about 30% left. <laughs> oh, so you do go more than Jaber. I go a little bit more than him. Okay. You need to he, cut your stuff back. But he said Stop. that it looks good. Ease up, ease he up. said it looks good. Oh man. Because I still leave a lot at the top and that's what a lot you know, sure. needs a lot down at the bottom though. He's all, wow. He's like, yeah. He's like, but it looks good. Remember the yeah. size of those nugs too.
0: Well, as outdoor girders too, you can choose to do that or you can, or you can just let it go. Uh, you won't want to probably smoke the bottom stuff, but you can turn that into other things. Mm-hmm. My only issue with that is, is that you concentrate a lot of energy into stuff that hopefully you have a high value of what you turn that into instead of what it could turn into in the tops. Well, and
1: we know with, that the numbers dem- diminish diminish when you get to the bottom of the point. Right. Yeah.
0: In fact, there's been posts. I think it was pistol point that pointed out that in on IG that, uh, that yeah, you're, you're, it's pretty much known now that, you know, through testing that we've mm-hmm. had, <clears throat> that your averages of the top to the bottom just decrease.
1: You can take the exact same plant and you can go down the plant and have like the highest numbers at the tippy top. And then when mm-hmm. you get to the very bottom, it is the lowest numbers that you'll find. So why keep all that stuff on the inside and the bottom? Um, it just takes away all the
0: energy. That, that must be the pre-rolls. But oh, you mean, yeah, yes, as far as how we do it. that's why I yeah. cut it. It's no. because
1: it just takes away all that energy we from the rest it. of the plant.
0: We don't need it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, so we should get into Second Gen's interview.
1: Yeah, saying is that a is definitely kicked in.
0: I can feel it. <laughs> so before we go too, fur- too much further down the rabbit hole, we'll... We'll start this. Thanks, JD. We appreciate it. And then uh, we look forward to the next one coming out with you and Greenwork. And thank you again for the genetics. We'll keep everybody updated. it would be organrooted541.com. And here it is, JD Short. Let's go into a little bit of your background. Let's start from, I guess, from the beginning and kind of explain to some of the people that who may not know you, where you come from and, and you know how you've gotten here. And, and then we'll go into some genetics. Okay.
3: I will on the East Coast and migrated here into Oregon at a very young age with my parents and you know, there a couple of the hippies and, and they're pretty big into the you know, the Canada scene of their own rights and um, here in Oregon it's always been kind of a scene as well so I guess when we moved there it just kind of you know we morphed into that and It became uh, a, you know, part of our life. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty much how I was introduced to it, just kind of by region and, you know, being born. He's the the son of DJ Short, who is obviously very into it. Um, And, um, you know, as I developed in my teen years and and found substances that, that helped me with, you know, the issues that I had in my life, cannabis just ended up being... You know, the one that I settled on was a default, basically, because it was just so, it worked so consistently well. Um, And from there, my love for the plant just blossomed and took off. Uh, Once I found out how easy it was to grow the stuff, it just was kind of, it was on from there. I remember in high school, um, desperately trying to convince all of my friends that we should uh, do our own little individual gorilla grows outside and that we would, you know, if just one of us could harvest just one plant, we wouldn't have to scrounge for smoke at the end of the summer. <laughs> um, and that didn't really, you know, come to fruition. I think I was the only one, actually, that ended up putting seeds out that year. And I put them, um, Yeah, I actually remember, I put them on the, the trail right up to Skinner's Butte. So they were right off to the side of the trail. I'm sure they either got eaten by squirrels or some hiker found them and, put them in your smoothie, but, um, I mean, after that, you know, after my first attempt there, and I think I was 16, you know, and, and really just kind of throwing the seeds and the dirt and getting to see them you know, break about the dirt. And like I said, realizing how easy it was, it was just kind of on from there. And I've never really stopped playing with dirt and seeds since then.
0: Now, did you know, did, did you feel back then that you would be, I mean, would it be a lifelong thing for you?
3: Um, I I knew that I was, you know, something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life, yes, for sure. I, I knew that, you know, how simple, like I said, as all the elements were there, dirt, wind, gravity, sun, water, it's all readily available. So I knew it was something that I would always be able to have in my life. And I did know back then, yes. Um,
0: what got you into the breeding portion?
3: You know, I'm a, a, a registered um, OMMP grower, and I have been since 2000. and uh, I think 2006, or basically when the program launched, and I don't remember the date. But um, so I was growing medicinally for myself, and um, it was one of the very first profound experiences that I can remember that I had with the plant. It was my Quimby plant, um, and the literature believes is the first cross that I've ever made and Columbia is the mother to the Whitaker blues but one day I was in my little four by eight closet and um teeny little closet and I had my six plants going in there and you know as closet growers do, we spend a lot of time you know huddled over those plants looking at them in awe and smelling them and all that stuff and uh I noticed the pistols were reaching um they were just they were clearly stretching in a way that and you know, we all see the plants pray. Um, it's pretty obvious, especially with the waning and waxing of the moons. We get to see the leaves pray. But this particular um, incident, the, the, I noticed that the pistols were just really stretching for something. And I, I asked why, you know. And I had one of those little moments with the plant where I was kind of in its world, and it was in my world. And uh, I said, you know, what are you doing? What's up here? What are you doing this for? And the plant said... Um, it just said, uh, well the words that I heard it say actually were, Please fuck me <laughs> 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 Um and and I I wasn't making seeds or breeding really at the time. I was toying around with it, you know, and and but I wasn't you know, it wasn't something that I was so I told the plant, you know, someday and you know and but that, that someday came sooner than I had thought and I just ended up going with it out of um inquisition largely and out of curiosity to see what what it was she was asking me to do. Um and then when I saw the Whitaker boots for the first time it, again it was just of I mean, an aha moment that the light bulb went off and I was like, oh, it's that it's this easy. You know, and that's your F one Paul and Chuck Out is what they call it. You know, but that's what most of the seeds on the market are. And so yes, it actually is really just that easy. It's you know, pollen from fire plane A to, you know, pistol on fire plane B. It's really that simple for a lot of these genetic firms nowadays. And in a sense, um, uh, it's a lot of what I'm doing right now as well. It's just kind of, you know, uh, I consider it a a feeling out of the genetic market and what's out there. Uh, There's a lot of elite things, uh, a lot of it, as far as I can tell, is bottleneck to these certain points, but just finding those points and getting a feel for what's out there, and then just throwing something on it, you know, whatever fire you can throw on it, and then seeing how those elite cuts can perform. And that's what I've been calling and considering fire breathing. there's a huge demand for it. It's a huge market for it. It's what the market wants. It's what the market wants right now. It's not what I would consider breathing, and it's certainly not what I would consider medicinal but it's a lot of fun Um, and if it's done right there is some preservation that can be done there
0: I mean specifically what don't you like about it and what would you do if you could
3: Um, well I'm not I'm doing all sorts of different kinds of breeding actually the the, the primary um, purpose of my primary intent of my breeding right now is largely um, I'm focusing on preservation and I think a lot of people are doing that Um, but so what, and I am working on, I mean, other areas, I've been doing some collaborative work with DJ, um, you know, like the F-13 throwback and the Great Press throwback. We were working on the Blue Happen throwback for a while. Um, but, uh, but what I want to do. See, that's a good question you know I mean um what I'm most passionate about right now what I'm what I'm chasing right now is um, getting some of my inbreeding techniques down that's the next thing that I would like to do um as I kind of launch off of this whole preservation thing you know the preservation is to protect a certain a, mass, a certain amount of genetic stock and then figure out what to do with that stock that you have on preservation and I've done that now and so now i want to start looking in at some uh, inbreeding of some uh, certain traits from certain lines. One in particular right now that's on the top of my radar is this Sacagawea um, genetics that Sonny Tila contributed to my program. There's some skunk and some cheese in there and I just it's missing a little bit and I think it would marry well with um, some of the genetics I have. I think it would be... um, highly appreciated in a, in a stabilized seed form. So, um, well, I mean, that's what I can do, I guess. Like, it's not necessarily what I would do if if, if I wanted to, if I could. What I would like to do is, um, uh, yeah, I would like to, you know, charter a helicopter and, uh, fly it over, um, some... Commercial farm that I'm in cahoots with and working with, and dump tens <laughs> of thousands of seeds out of this helicopter. Like the helicopter that could germinate an entire field this way, say maybe 10, 20 acres. Um, right. And do the old manual thing where you go through and you selectively pick out the males that you don't want. And, you know, uh, you either you leave the, the cosmic hidden ones that were meant to be, or you selectively pick the right ones to leave in there and start an kind of open pollination. Not to sack. I mean, it's something. Uh, I mean, I, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. I don't think I have the fortitude and to do that, just let alone the physical strength. But uh, the thought of something like that sounds really fun.
0: You do do you, have you ever thought about farming, or do you really want to just give your full attention to the whole, you know, pheno hunts and genetics and
3: breeding and? My heart does not lie in uh, commercial production at all. It never has. I see. Um, I'm not that good at it for one and for two. There's some some cognitive buildup for me that I just can't get over it in terms of uh, wasted resource and uh, shit-wasted medicine. I mean, I was one of those people and still know lots of those people who um, would scrounge change for a five-sack. And I'm just kind of a little bit, I'll admit I'll admit it first and foremost I'm lazy I'm, these, these commercial producers man they work really hard yeah um, I don't I don't know if I could do that but as well like I'm just I'm not comfortable with the way that the whole system is set up at this point um, it's just it's weird um, everybody would like to believe that the producers are raking it in if the grams are coming across the board at 8 and $12 a piece but they're not yeah. Um, so it's just there's some kinks in that that aren't you know making sense that the, the consumers are getting gouged for a medicine that's below par the producers are getting gouged for their production and so i i i'm a, a firm advocate of you can grow your own we live in Oregon. you can have four plants in your backyard and like i know it's hard and it's a hard thing to maybe talk about because some of the taboos that we've lived in but if you have a difficult time getting out to your backyard and it's your medicine, talk to your neighbors. I bet you there might be somebody in your neighbor's somewhere on you know, the southern block that would be like, yeah, we'll have no problem coming over and watering your cannabis plant for you. We would love to. Right. Um, so I'm a firm advocate of growing your own. I mean, we have one of the best bills in the nation, as far as I can tell, for that, for legalization. So I say take advantage of it while you can. In my heart, yeah, it lies in the uh, the hunt. It's the pheno hunt. It's the um, you know. It's I always uh, um, related it to uh, the lottery, but not so much because I've never really been a gambling sort of a person. Um, I like to gamble, but I I like to have the odds stacked in my favor. if you know what I mean? Um, I think everybody does. That's why we choose the casinos to have that have the payout. But um, so I've always uh, um, related the whole canvas female hunting to uh, something uh, that was a favorite pastime of mine as a child, which was baseball cards. You used to get baseball cards, um, and you'd open up those baseball cards. You didn't know what you were going to get. And every once on a blue moon, it's more so nowadays. There's better inserts than the baseball cards nowadays, but back then there were fewer insert cards. So when you pulled a good insert card from a pack in 1988 tops, rated rookie Jose can say whatever (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean I remember those days they were fun but, but when you pulled that card out of there it was a special day and you felt like you know the cosmic ravings had just shown down upon you and you're like oh this was awesome and you appreciated the card and it was fun and you'd look at it and admire it you get a really similar feeling When you're doing a phenol hunting, but there's some extra added things like the fact that you get to smoke it afterwards and it has a medicinal benefit. Um, The other thing too is that it is kind of like those inserts, especially from back in the day where like cannabis, man, you really never know. And I mean, I haven't, you know, there's some, some people out there who have popped tens and thousands and hundreds of thousands of seeds. But um, the anomalies show up anywhere from the, about one in every 100 to one in every 200 plants. And I've seen enough of them to know that it can be very magical. You can see some very special things in there. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's like finding that diamond, you know, it's like rock hunting.
0: Yeah, it is. And it sounds, I can hear the excitement in your voice when you talk about uh, kind of hunting for that stuff. When I was a kid. Oh, it's so much fun when I was a kid it was with basketball cards I wish though that I would have um like you would have gotten more into cannabis earlier uh, it sounds like you've got a lot of experience now over the years can I ask you do you feel like you've been self-taught or and that's not bad you know because self-taught plus sure. experience equals good stuff well, I but think
3: it's a combination of a bunch of different things um I think first and foremost, I would go back to what what DJ says a lot, which was that you know, in our family, and it goes goes back at least a hundred years, from what I know, and probably much longer than that. My great, um, my great grandmother, my great great grandmother was a, you know, we always said a gypsy Romanian herbalist, and (laughs) and, uh, I'm. I'm the third party on hearsay of this, so I probably get some pieces I won't be laughed but I'll get it close enough. Um, you know, so she was an herbalist who um, grew not only you know used her, her herbs and applied them to people who had ailments and stuff, but she grew them too. So, um, and so I, I I definitely feel that, and it's not even so much that I I think it's intuitive for all humans. Um, to, to have this understanding of cultivation, um, I've been saying for years now, and it's—I love having this debate with as many people as I can because um, I still these are the things that I should should have going back to school for, to be honest with you. Know, but so, um, just grok on for a second. How many other creatures on the universe or, or in the on the on the earth rather cultivate? Right. Um, it, and there's one that, that we do know of, um, and that's termites. Well, two, it's termites and ants. Um, um, they're definitely cultivating, but it's. Uh, I think they got figure it figured out. I think they got figure it figured out the same way that we do. But we have, as humans, we have this ability um, to basically change the face of the earth with that, that scale. And we have them. We are. That's what we're doing. Um, so I think that's partly intuitive. Um, and then I think also, obviously, you know, you know, knowing DJ and his, his way of, you know, explaining things, he can be very, um, gentle with his guidance, but at the same time, it's like, you have a hard time looking away from where he, he you know, he tends to want to guide you. So, you know, it, I think it was a combination of all those things. And then my own natural, you know, curiosity and, and passion for the plant, I, you know, the first time I smoked it, I I had a very similar reaction to everybody else, which was kind of like, "aha," you know, like I or, <laughs> or I'm home, or right. like like okay, there's there's a way, <laughs> you know, or it's gonna be okay, <laughs> like so um, <laughs> so all those things combined, I was just like, "well, this is awesome, and I love it," you know, and and it, it speaks to me, and I think I think plants speak to all people. I think the the difficulty comes in our ability to listen.
0: Sure. Now, the other thing about cannabis is it brings people together. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like sitting around a warm campfire. You know, you, you kind of just huddle up together and you have a good time. You socialize. There's no it's communal. Yeah, it, it, there you go. That's a good word. Very communal. That,
3: that laughing, I think what happens is in that laughter, that moment to laugh, like you can let go of so much. Yeah. You know, and it's okay to be awkward or to be human or, you know, to have a booger in your nose or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or Joe cheated, Joe cheated on, you know, Samantha last week. It's like, well, right now we're going to laugh.
2: Yeah, and, exactly. So
3: yeah, it, it does. It really does bring people together. It's healing. It's just, it's the most healing substance I have ever come across, maybe other than meditation or love. Yeah.
0: Good point. And and the one thing that you brought up earlier that I wanted to kind of elaborate on is you said you were in support of home grows. And the reason we started was not only because of the community and the closeness, but it was also because we wanted to support people growing their own medicine. That's the big thing. You know, I'm all for deregulation, you know, in places and decriminalization. I'm all for that. But the big thing is, to be able to have people have the access to, like you said, growing your own medicine. And mm-hmm. it's it can be done. Uh, and it can be a learning experience. It can be a fun thing. It can be a hobby. It, it's like garden. It is gardening. So, I mean, there is a love there. There is, you know, anybody that gardens can tell you that no matter what they grow, it's the same feeling. I mean, it's the same reward. Uh, so, there's a lot more to just growing your own besides the medicine. I mean, there's this whole, you know,
3: well, the whole process is medicinal. The whole process yeah. is healing, you know, the, the whole symbiotic dance with the plant. And, you know, if, if you do it over multiple years and you dial in, you know, your grow to a, to a, a manner that suits your medicine, like we, me, i tell you like the effect that, that that can have on the quality of a person's life is, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It really is. It's self-sufficiency. You know? It's a way to self-sufficiently provide relief for yourself. I mean, <laughs> that's it. Like That's fucking it. In many and ways, yeah. Do you really need a yeah. shelter You know, somewhere where you can go feel safe for a little bit, maybe a little communion with some people. You share a little bit of the food, a little bit of the shelter. You know? Right. I mean,
0: and cannabis is really unique that way in the sense that any other drug you take has either bad side effects or, or unwanted side effects, or, you know, they don't contribute to their, to your life or they're detrimental, like, you know, alcohol or, or some, you know, other heavier drugs, methamphetamines and stuff. So
3: I'm, I'm, I certainly agree to a point, but at the same time, like I, I think there's an application for everything. Oh, Um,
0: absolutely. Well, and we've seen, I don't know if you've ever heard of maps down in Southern California, but, they're, they're now studying and, and proving a lot of usefulness in, um, psychedelics, uh, in, right. uh, in ecstasy or MDMA, I should say. So there's, a- well,
3: I, I don't want to be the, you know, and I don't advocate for pharmaceutical companies by any means, but at the same, you know, also, um, you know, there's a place and a time for everything. And, um, I think that it's all about, you know, a person's ability to self-medicate and whatever that takes, you know, I'm, I'm open to, I don't like it when people self-medicate in a way to where it, it impacts and influences either their life or God forbid somebody else's life in a negative way. And for that reason, I do have, you know, issues with a lot of people that drink, a lot of people that, that do cope or overindulge in pills and stuff. But at the same time, I think it's really important to remember that they're all going through a certain form of healing, too. And in, in that moment, those substances are what are helping them heal. And, and a lot of those people without those substances um, wouldn't necessarily be able to go into the healing that they're going through. So I don't like to put a, a bad uh, connotation on really any substance. Like, they're all there for a reason. They like, can... And I kind of take the, you know, the Timothy Leary approach a little bit and so say, You try every one of them at least once a year. <laughs> <laughs> every single one of them, one time a year. Everyone you can get your hands is It's like, okay, today is the 29th of March. I got to do the catapult. Right. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's not for me, but I just like I, 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 tolerance wherever we can. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people out there right now that are struggling really bad with. Um, some substances and the whole thing that FDA just did with the, the cracking down on the tail mills, it's a fucking huge scam in and it's terrible. What they're doing absolutely terrible. And those people need help. The last thing that they need is to be ostracized.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and that's one thing, uh, again, I think kind of what you're hitting at too is cannabis can be a get out drug in terms yeah. of, and I've, and I've said this before on the show, but it really can, you know, I've had my own troubles with alcohol right. I've known friends with troubles with other drugs, other in things like alcohol. And, and mine
3: were mine was oxycontin, and okay, the benzodiazepine, and yes, the cannabis is what you know helped me out of that. It really is more than one time, right, right. So
0: yeah, and it's it's a little known fact that um, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, the gentleman that started up Alcoholics Anonymous actually used psychedelics to help cure his alcoholism, and actually was an advocate for it. <laughs> Uh,
3: I didn't know
0: that. Yeah, research it. It's really interesting. Um, There's a a
3: huge uh, resurgence right now in that actual uh, therapy, uh, psilocybin and microdosing. I'm seeing a lot of people talking about it. I've got mine set up, and I'm prepared to give it a whirl.
0: Well, and there's this stuff coming out now about how Silicon Valley, there's this underground uh, microdosing going on in these high-tech companies. uh, that. Uh, yeah, that these guys so are
3: that doing... would do that would make sense for why this is. I mean, I've seen it pick up a claim nationally, like what we like over a month, the last month or whatever. And it's probably because you know the cat got out of the bag or whatever. They, they probably you know some small little group of people in Silicon Valley is like this shit fucking works. And they start telling everybody <laughs> exactly, they start telling everybody, yeah. and now everybody's like, let's do it. Like, cool. <laughs> I mean, that's fucking evolution, man. You know? Yeah, like,
0: cool. Well, and it is, and, <laughs> I mean, and it's a technology, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it it's a little bit of respect for the drug, too. I mean, people are literally micro-dosing. They're not getting high. They're taking it, <clears throat> I guess, if you would, in a, a medicinal way or at least in a controlled way. Yeah, and
3: I think, so the dosage, is the most common dosages I was hearing of, and that's where these were still, mind I mind you, I think it was 0.1 gram and 0.2 gram. Dosage.
0: Right, which... And
3: gel tax, and it was like once or twice a day, which is not enough to get you high.
0: No, not close. It's not at least not it's for me. To,
3: <laughs> it's just enough to build up that substance, I'm assuming, in your liver and your kidneys and whatever, just enough to have it there so that, because your body will store those substances. And this is all speculation, mind you. I'm all just off the, off the cuff speculating what's referring here. the body, is storing those toxins and then releasing them during those times of post-traumatic stress disorder, which is allowing you different tools to cope through your depression your anxiety and all that other shit.
0: One thing, yeah, one thing about that too is they've shown that not microdosing but taking a heavier dose, I don't know what that that's probably different from everybody, but taking a heavier dose actually reduces depression as well as chemicals are better actually. Uh and for longer periods of time they're showing that people can take you know whatever half, believe it. Yeah, and then, you know, 6 months later still have the same antidepressant effects. Uh, and then also, too, um, you know, end of life. I mean, older people, end of life issues, you know, uh, actually taking yeah. uh, uh, psychedelics actually helps with that end of life transition, which is just Dude, amazing. I could only imagine. Right? Yeah.
3: I could only imagine. Yeah. So, and I noticed that. I want to confirm what you said. I noticed that same thing after I did my big hoo ha about, about six weeks here or now. It has been a long time since I did them. And I did them specifically for that reason. I was just kind of dragging and emotionally and kind of cracking. So I was like, all right, fucking caution to the wind. I got this thing. It <laughs> ain't going to kill me.
0: Right.
2: Um, right.
3: And yeah, sure enough, next week. And I'm, you know, just kind of, you know, a little bit of a spring back. You
0: know? Yeah. It's almost like a reset, if you will.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. but you know, that's well, mother, <laughs> mother nature. I mean, she's got, she's got that on lock. You know, I mean, I can't, True. it's every day. It amazes me. The, the hundreds of, I mean, just thousands of ways cannabis <clears throat> can help and does help people. And with, you know, the the side effects are only favorable. So if you got cancer, you eat more, you, you keep your strength up, you right. sleep better. You don't have the, the yeah. vomiting. That's the side effect. Uh, the high is just a bonus. I mean, God forbid if you're sick, especially that you actually feel a little relief of the symptoms and get a little kick of some.
3: It's a relief. It is. It's just, it's, the whole thing is relief. I've got a friend who's got a, um, the Oregon can of topicals, the liniment line, and that's what she calls her line is relief, and it's just as brilliant because that's what it is. The cure is relief, period. That's what the cure is. I don't know how they're going to put that into scientific. <laughs> the jumbo,
0: but. Yeah. Well, and it's, that's why we argue, I've argued many, many, many times on the show that recreational use is medicinal
3: use. It is medicinal use. It would be the same thing as saying that, you know, a junkie who took their um, Percocet to fend off um, withdrawal did it for recreational. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> that was a medicinal dose of methadone. Sorry.
0: Very, very true. Very true. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to look at it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just amazing what, what this and other things that we're finding out now that we're not having this propaganda follow us. Now you came through the same time period that I did. We kind of were at the tail end, not tail end, but we were in the midst of the reefer madness. Um, but, right. but you were kind of on both worlds. I had imagine you've got your family kind of. Out.
3: And to just say, no, man, Nancy, Ray, fucking Ronald Reagan, man, uh, those were, I mean, I was a kid, so I I didn't know what was going on in my family, right. but I got to tell you, those were not fun years for me no. as a child. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I mean, I think that we all kind of have, you know, experienced this form of tyranny in one way or another, and, I, and I'm, I'm not a, I don't i am think that this war on drugs is far from over. This is what we should be considering a transitional period.
0: Sure. Sure. But at least we're on the direction of something better. Hopefully, hopefully,
3: (laughs) well, it looks like, look, well, I guess, you know, again, off the cuff, what it appears to me is that they're not making the revenue that they used to be able to make off of incarceration. Um, And so now they're just going to have to find another legal way to make that revenue and legal, illegal revenue. It's not going to be pretty no matter how it goes
0: down. Hopefully the government will, I mean, at least in Oregon, you know what? 54, 55 million last year, or, you know, this year, I should say it's, you know, there's other ways they can make money. And I, and I don't want to have to say gouge the the patient because that is not where I want it to go. But, at the same time, if we can transition in other ways uh, instead of, and then,
3: and then we can somehow pay a tax or a levy or whatever to get that money back to the justice Maybe or I don't know how yeah. that works. and I don't even want to have this conversation. Yeah, let's,
0: let's move on. So, <laughs> so let's get yeah. back to, you now we, okay, let's get right back to breeding. Now you obviously have to, be, I would think you'd have to be a pretty good grower to be a breeder. Like I've talked to breeders in the past and they're saying, okay, well, I introduce powdery mildew and I introduce this and I introduce that and I, and i pH this and don't do it right and change the environment and this and that. I, I would imagine you have to be a good grower to be able to even start going there in a controlled way. Uh, do you, do you do that? Do you do all that environmental craziness? Um, and then for, I mean, you still grow medical for yourself?
3: I do. Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, so the fire breeding. Um, really, the only goal and intent behind that project is to have, or those types of projects is to have the progeny produce as much color, uh, resin development, and terpene um, as possible. Um, and that's pretty simple to do. Um. um and then, as far as like, uh, I think you had mentioned powdery mildew and keeping things uh, sanitary, or and if that's an issue for being able to breed.
0: Well, no, I, I guess what I'm saying is, do you purposely introduce things? Do you do you stress your plants out? I mean, what part is that part of the breeding?
3: It can be. I mean, I think the term that maybe we're circumventing here might be um, dialed in. So each grow room or each. Light or whatever. Uh, I think each grow room has be dialed into a different um, for a different reason, um, and it's usually dialed in depending on some of the environmental things, like how humid is your room, how dry is it, how much air can you get in there. Um, and when we talk about dialing in, you're you're trying to like fine tune in your your grow room to grow as good as possible. Um, and once you can get it dialed into that point, you can you know, and you're confident that each round you, you can produce this quality of herb. You can then start messing around with certain things like stress testing or... Um, but really, anybody can do, you know, what I'm doing as long as they can have a, you know, a good understanding of how their room is dialed in, how it performs, and how that performance influences the plants they're growing. Um, I've had more than one... Um, you know, project where the finish wasn't spectacular, but because I knew my room well enough and I knew the genetics I was working with well enough, I was confident enough to make some of the selections that I needed to make.
0: Sure. And let me ask you this. Do you, would you mind sharing some of your grow techniques in terms of, you know, what kind of nutrients you may run? Uh, absolutely. What kind of, yeah. What, what soil or soilless media do you use? So the do you soil think that's important? Soil that Go ahead. I
3: have, um, I've landed on, and I'm not doing any plugs here. I'm not promoting anybody. I'm just saying what what has worked for me in my environment and what I've dialed in um in the in my I have multiple different environments too um kind of a, a crowd shared type of thing happening here, but in my primary environment, um, one of the main things that I have a difficult time dealing with is um uh, it's not airflow, it's um intake and outtake of air fresh air. Um, and then I get humidity sometimes. So, uh, the soil that I have found that works best for me, um, is uh pro-organic down earth. It's a little bit spendy. But I've found too that I'm pretty sure it must be their soil. I don't know where else these things are coming from, but it, they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded with a beneficial soil mite that is just, that has become instrumental in my dialed in process. These little beneficial mites, man, over their key. So I use the pro-organic, um, down to earth soil. Um, and the primary source of my feedings will come from amendments that are put into those soils. Um, shit, what is the bag? I think the bag is 2.5 cubic yards. I think it's a bigger bag, but so I think it's 2.5 cubic yards. And then I just go, I'm using handfuls. I got pretty big hands, like maybe a cup per handful. But so in that 2.5 cubic yards of soil, I will put, See about five, maybe six handfuls of high nitrogen back guano. And then I will put, what else, uh, about six handfuls of worm castings. Um, what else? Uh, and about four to five handfuls of mean seed meal. Um, and then all of that is mixed with perlite. So it's about, I'd say about 30% perlite extra per bag. Um, and all that's all mixed together. And then in my transplant, I'm using another thing called, uh, what's it called? Uh, Tap and Roots Dynamic Soil Amender. I think that's what it's called. No, it's Dynamic Soil Amender by Tap and Roots. And that product I actually do like. Um, it's got some, we got a bunch of dehydrated stuff in there. So I just have a feeling it breaks down quicker chicken goop and other weird stuff. That goes in with my, when I transplant, I'll put in about a half a tablespoon of that. And then I also put in my transplants, I put in endomycorrhiza, lush roots, um, and I believe that's all in the transplant. Um, and then for supplemental feeding throughout, which the plants don't typically need too much with that, um, with those types of amendments. Um, It's a little bit high in nitrogen, but, um, you know, I got it. I got my system dialed in to know that that taste or that leaf is because it's extra nitrogen. Um, I see. But um, so for supplemental feedings, uh, or if I'm feeling like overfeeding, or if I'm feeling like stressing for overfeeding, or if I'm feeling like testing to see how big a plant can bulk up, I'll use um, uh, a nutrient line called Age Old Organic. I like it. I don't know. works wonderful it's uh um and then in congruency with that i'll also use liquid seaweed um and i've also been using uh slf one gallon when i give my RNG i could probably go an entire round without feeding one but i do i feed pretty much all the way through i've done it before uh the the f5 blueberry feed on i didn't feed them not one time and they finished fine you know
0: yeah. Well, what you're doing sounds really, really good. Would you, would it be fair to say that's somewhat of a super soil mix, if you will?
3: I feel like it's super. It works super. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, sure, I like sure. it. it works good. And, um, I'm as close to organic as a person can get. There's this whole kick with the bottle of nutrients right now, and I'm like, but it says organic. <laughs> it said organic. <laughs> Come on, you guys. Work with me here. Come on.
0: Yeah, well, and you're 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 in Oregon. There's you know, Oregon has this thing about being pretty stuck up about things,
3: and I think the, the big thing really is, and, then, and again, in a place like Oregon, and it is a really hot topic here because you know we're semi-agricultural, and it's it's founded. I mean, that so many people do the what do they call it the, um, the drain to waste or whatever. I mean, so many people go that way, and it's like those. I don't put anything down the sink. I don't. I'll save each. um canister or whatever and dump it into a bucket use it the next day
0: well we are seeing more and more farms go towards the you know sustainable uh growing the 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 no-till there's so many terms for it but i mean we do see a lot of uh, farms doing that but you know i mean there's still a lot that are that aren't now what do you use light wise do you what i mean are you using uh hps led
3: I had a sponsorship from a um, LED company a while back, and they hooked me up with a bunch of lights. I think a whole lot of lights, actually. Um, and then they yanked their sponsorship, but they let me keep the lights. So um, I've kind of got a combination of, um, and again, I we I I share resources with other people. So, um, mm-hmm. but primarily in, in my setup for my R and D, which is mostly what um, is being shown on Instagram is, uh, that uh, mega LED at the 625 watt LED it's a wonderful light. And then um, in some of the other, you know, uh, production areas, uh, primarily HPS and a couple Gavitas.
0: Let's talk about what you think about LED versus HPS uh, or, or whatever. Um, you know, I don't know if you ever played with induction lighting either, but um, yeah, uh,
3: I think, I think LEDs are, are, a wave to the future. I won't say they're the wave of the future. I think it all just depends on kind of how we, where we go from here. Uh, there's so many things to be that we're all trying to to look in at, and all the variables trying to figure out what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. The LEDs clearly make a lot more sense over the uh, HPS in terms of electric use. And um, uh, in, in my opinion, as far as I'm concerned, they also provide a superior quality to the smoke over the HPSs. Um, but I think there's some resistance to people making that, that transition because there's not proof that they can um, equal the production rates of the HPS. Um, and I think another reason that people are reticent to switch over to LEDs is because whether it's consciously or in the subconscious or the foreconscious of people's minds, I think a lot of people are starting to understand that indoor production is not where it's at. Um, and so, I prefer personally myself, I prefer the LEDs, um, but I'm a little concerned uh, over the how well they're gonna do in the future. Um, realistically pot for production purposes should not be being grown indoors, period. It just shouldn't be right. So I don't know. um. There's some companies out there right now that are offering some amazing rebates for you know getting your your startup with LEDs, and they're offering all sorts of incentive to get them, and they can save you electricity, and you know some of them are claim, claiming equal and better production rates, and I I would strongly recommend looking into them. But at the same time, if if, if anybody out there has you know, 15, 20 grand, 30 grand and drop down on lights, I sure as got hope that they're looking at alternative plans to buy a greenhouse. That's just all I got to say about that.
0: Right. Sure. Sure. Let me ask you this, since you've actually used the LEDs and in, in some serious settings, do you think that well, I've heard at least that there's better trichome production, maybe not as much volume in terms of material,
3: but certainly noticed an increase of both trichrome and uh, terpene production and and color. The color is just it's the color is the first obvious one. Um, I've noticed an increase in all three of those things for sure, absolutely. And I think um, well, those three things initially are I think the the biggest catch for anybody who's looking to, to switch over. If you want to grow prettier buds, you should look into some LEDs. Um, the next big thing for me was uh, the LEDs. Are, they're they're gentler. Uh, they're, they don't burn as hot. They don't they don't have as much radiant heat. Um, and I guess the theory is what's happening is that radiant heat from the HPSs is, is basically evaporating some of the, the gases and and sugars and shit from the buds, which is basically burning off some of the terpene. Um, I also think that the HPSs are providing a level of photosynthesis that is above what the plant needs or can process properly. So I think that the plant under an HPS is struggling to produce more fiber and flour than it can possibly do. Um, under the LEDs, they just seem to kind of they're coaxed along a little bit more gentler to their, what I would consider their, their maximum potential of their expression um and the main thing that i'm noticing is that um obviously under the led uh the plants would feed and drink less um and i don't like this i don't i like my plants so i do what i can to keep the heat up a little bit in there and the humidity up so i can keep my plants feeding and drinking but um Even at that point, the plants, and my assumption is is because they're not photosynthesizing as strongly as they are with HPSs, under the LEDs, the plants just only seem to uptake the nutrients they need. Um, And I'm sure that, you know, you could overfeed pretty easily, but uh, I seem to have a harder time overfeeding with the LEDs, and I've also noticed that they smoke better, and they taste better in the smoke, and they also cure better. My assumption for that is that has something to do with the way that the um, LEDs are inhibiting the uptake of nutrients through photosynthesis, um, and it's allowing the plants to flush better, um, and in turn, it's allowing the plants to cure better, which is providing for a better smoke hands-down. So, that being said, if you want to grow prettier buds, that taste and you know, feel better, I would highly recommend looking into LEDs, but you got to do a lot of research and I'll give anybody the name of the company they want. It's just not on the air.
0: Yeah, no, I gotcha. Myself, I'm, I come from an electronic background. So, I mean, you know, LEDs is my interest. Uh, So how much bullshit uh, did I just lay down there, Craig?
3: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I didn't know. I was talking to one person who was going to call me out on my bullshit
0: Come no, on. no, no. Uh <laughs> I no, what you're saying I think is is good. I think that's what I've heard from other people that I respect their opinion of. Also, from an electronic background, I think this is the way to go, the only way to go if we're gonna stay inside. I think that they're kinda
3: of clunky at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Like uh it, but it, the technology that's it's coming out is coming out quick. I mean, you know, we got yeah. these cob LEDs. You know, these LEDs, there's a lot of technology out there, even now, that's just really cool. So I think
3: there is to do your research and ask around, ask people who've used them, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Now, for a beginner, do you think that LED versus HPS would be an option? Or do you think Uh that a beginner just should... that's
3: a good question. I didn't think about it, but I definitely, I think, would recommend a a smaller LED for a beginner over an HPS. Yeah, Yeah, probably for heat... I mean, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting. I, I would recommend that, but I would stress that as a beginner, the number one problem is typically overwatering, and that's also a, a concern with LEDs is potentially overwatering. So, I think if a beginner could keep that in mind, I think an, L, uh, an LED might be the way to go.
0: Hmm. Hmm. And probably work better in tents, I would imagine. I mean, I know you can run HPSs and stuff, but it just seems like you know with the air circulation, the heat buildup, and stuff if you're in a small area as a, you know, one or two or three plants or something in your room, you know, an LED might, might be
3: the way to go. Exactly. Exactly. So I have a mini, I have a mini LED. I think it's like, it's got a two foot, uh, two foot, you know, two square foot footprint. And I think it's just a blast. It's a lot of fun. It can fit basically. And, you know, the bottom drawer with my, you know, ward, wardrobe closet. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. I could run close right. down there, not that I
0: have, but I mean, it's, yeah. It's an option. <laughs> it's an option. Now, we talked about nutrients. We talked about, like. well, real quick, uh, I wanted to mention too, how do you feel about the SLF-100 and then the Mammoth P? The reason I asked because actually those are two of our supporters. I've had a lot of success with it. Um, have you seen any success at all? Honestly?
3: I have. Um, and I'm, the verdict is still out with me. Um, I got it because, um, I was looking to, uh, increase root health, you know. Um, and of course, when I went to the store, I, I, said the product I was looking for, and he's like, oh, uh, yeah, well, increase your production by 16%. And I was like, I, I thought I'm I'm not, I didn't ask you about that. Like, um, but, um, so I have definitely noticed, um, differences, um, they both, Basically, done a 180 in my grow. There's a couple different things I did this year, um, and the SLF and the Mammoth P. The SLF I've been using for about nine months now. The Mammoth P. I've only been using for about three months. Um, I did notice a in my in my flower room. I definitely noticed an increase of production um, that was just almost mutant like. Uh, giganticism was the term I was using. Um, and I, I mean, I, I like production just like anybody else, but when I see something that looks anomalous like that, um, cause I know that any, there's, there's a, you know, a side effect or consequence for anything that's out of the, out of the ordinary. So you now we just kind of have to look for that. And then one of the other things that I've noticed, um, is that my pistols are whiter than they've ever been, um,
0: And And are you talking whiter or whiter? Are they bigger or are they just...
3: They're like white. Not only are they white, but they're whiter than they have ever been. (laughs) Okay. um, Almost like as if they've been bleached. Um, And it's looking more along the lines of uh, heavy commercial indoor production weed, which has wonderful bag appeal and sells great, but the verdict will really come in once it gets smoked. But um, I... I really appreciate for the applications that I've been using it for um, the the extra vigor that it, they're both because um, I need that right now in my program. I was kind of in a little bit of a slump with some of my mom. And basically, I think it was the SLF that pulled it out because um, I, I realized after I had been applying the Mammoth for a while that the Mammoth is probably better for flower stacks.
2: Right, right,
3: so, right, right. the SLF, I think... Um, really help you pull my mom out of a, um, a little bit of a depressive winter. So I'm, I'm really appreciating both the products a lot right now and I don't plan to stop using them anytime soon.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's good. And and I've had similar results. I use SLF for almost everything. I even, I even uh, germinate my, germinate my seeds and I have really good results all around. It's just a good enzyme. Now I've used other enzymes. I don't know if you've used enzymes before, probably have, um, I just find this one to be the best out of all of them, so it's been good. Now, so we talked about nutrients, we talked about uh, your lights.
3: Why don't we Why don't we go over some of the genetics stuff? Well, so I've been, um, you know, kind of dabbling around in DJ's stuff for a while now, just doing phenols for some of his old uh, outdated strains and collecting phenols from them, uh, females here and there, and pollen here and there and amassing some genetics that way, and um, a couple of female hunts on my own through some random feeds. I did one, uh, I'm not sure if you saw it on the Instagram, there's the aliens on moonshine, which is actually some bag feed. I'm pretty sure the stock was aliens on moonshine. Um, and then like the stuff, has a uh, sack from Tony Chiba. I mean, I've got a lot of genetics going on in the stable right now, and just kind of collecting as many as I can, and I'm gonna see where it can all go from there.
0: But it sounds pretty exciting. Do you collaborate with uh, other people in terms of trading genetics and stuff, or how does that work?
3: Sure, I mean, sure. And, uh, you know, in a preservation library, and the seeds are stored like, right? as far as I'm concerned, they could last almost indefinitely. Um, but usually ten years, 12 years, 15 years. So yeah, collaborations can always go down and see forms different into the vault and break out one day.
0: Have you ever considered working with farms in terms of providing a farm with your genetics, in, in terms of like a larger quantity, hundreds, if you will? Absolutely. I mean, is that yeah, ab- okay?
3: Absolutely, that's kind of the model that I'm. I would like to look in on you know a second generation genetics as um, uh, some form of a genetic consultant. You know. Um, and where I mean, the genetics are already out there, people can get them anywhere, and then just kind of genetically consulting a farm that wanted to pick up any genetics pertaining to my brand and, and help them along with them. Yeah, uh, I think that might be kind of the model, you know, for a lot of uh, breeders in this current uh, environment, you know, consulting uh, I mean, everybody, you know, there's so many farms out there that can make their own seeds already. It's just, they don't know how to do
0: it. A lot of these farmers that are putting out legitimate, you know, front cover, dope magazine, whatever you want to call it, stuff, are are getting their genetics from breeders. Right. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, but um, I know farms do produce a lot of their own seed, but geez, it seems like the real deal comes out from these breeders that are really putting effort
3: into it. I think there's something to be worked there for sure. Um, I mean, I don't know what that would look like, what it would look like to work with a farm that's running my genetics. All I'm trying to do at this point is get my genetics out there as, as much as possible.